we're on this journey of repentance. Uh, so it, uh, it's, it's been a journey for me. I'm not sure where it is for you, and we'll, I'll talk more about it later on and, and next week and stuff, but um, we'll go ahead and, and get in with what I have here. Uh, Jock, he's a painter, and he would often thin down his paint to, to help it to go a little bit farther. And so when the church was deciding to do some deferred maintenance, Jock was able to put in a low bid because he thinned down his paint. Of course, he, he got the job. So as always, he thinned it down and with tur turpentine, he began to paint the job. And one day, while he was up on some scaffolding and he's painting, the job is almost finished, he heard a, a horrendous clap of thunder. And the sky opened up. The downpour, it washed the thin paint off of the church walls, down to the ground. It knocked Jock off of the, the scaffolding, and he's laying there amongst the gravestone and, and these puddles of thin down, worthless paint. Now, Jock knew that this was a warning from the Almighty. And so he, he got up on his knees and he cried, Oh, God, forgive me. What should I do? And then from the thunder, a mighty voice rang out, and it said, Repaint, repaint, and thin no more. Thank you. Thank you. This is the third Sunday of the season that is called Lent. It's the third Sunday of our Lenten season. It's a, a time of preparation for the next greatest season of the Christian calendar of the Christians, and that is Easter. And we take these weeks just before Easter to prepare to celebrate the most central point of our faith, and that is the cross of Jesus and the empty tomb of Jesus. And so how do we prepare? Well, we take this time to, to dig deep into our hearts, to, to be very introspective, and then let God forgive us and change us and give us the gift and the ability to repent. It's a season where we hear and heed God's call to repentance. Now, a couple of weeks ago, as we started this season, I invited you to, to come along with me on this journey of repentance. And I don't know how many of you are joining me as we're going through this, but I promise you that if you were really going through it, it would not be easy but that it would lead to life and to freedom. We provided some guidebooks, and they're over there, some readings that you can do. And once we joined the journey, the very first step was of our admitting our need for God, of surrendering our lives into his all-powerful and all-loving care, and kneeling before God making him our Lord. And in just a moment, we're going to talk about the next step. But first, there is a fairly, a fairly critical part that applies to the whole of our spiritual lives. And I'm not quite sure that, that we've all grasped it, that we're all, all working with that. It's summed up with the question, what is God's job and what is my job? And through the journey of repentance, 
I've said it again, that only God can change us. Only God can make the old new. Only God can forgive us and fill us with new life. Okay, so what are we supposed to do? What is our part? Well, let me give you three different pictures, three different scenarios, if you will. If my car breaks down, I cannot fix it, especially cars nowadays. I can phone the mechanic. I can make the appointment. I can sit around there in the waiting room, and I can pay the bill. But I cannot fix it. But I also cannot just keep driving around hectically, hoping that somehow it magically fixes itself. It'll probably just die on the side of the road doing that. But see, I, I have to make space. I have to make room. I have to make some time in my life to go and get my car fixed. Think of it this way. Your spirit is a blank canvas on which God wants to paint a, a beautiful picture. He wants to paint a masterpiece. You can't paint it. You can't make it beautiful. Only God can do that. But you have to stand still. God won't paint if you turn your back on him. He cannot paint if you come in for 30 seconds and, and then you run on out again and you keep going back and forth and moving around. See, we have to sit still with him and allow him to paint. Allow him to work. Okay, one more. Third one. Your physical heart isn't working properly. And you need to see the doctor. You cannot do the surgery on yourself. But the doctor will not operate until you give her permission. I don't know of any doctor who will come to your house. They're going to tackle you. They're going to strap you down. They're going to drag you over into the operating room. They're going to force that anesthesia onto you so that they can do the operation, even if they know that that is exactly what you need. They're just not going to do that. You can't do the operation. Just like you cannot make yourself Christ-like. But you can, and you must give permission. And then go to the hospital at the right time and allow the doctor to perform the surgery. Do you see? It just carries over from last week. It, it's not our work. It is God's work. But we must make the space. We must make the time. We must make the room for God to do the work. We must choose to spend time in his word, in prayer, in worship, in service to God, and in the company of others who are striving after the same things. On the journey of repentance, we began then with surrendering to God, surrendering our lives to God. By which I mean we, we truly go and allow Jesus, we allow the Lord to, to be in our lives, to work in our lives. We kneel before Jesus as our king and we enlist in his service 
and we give him both the permission and the opportunity to replace what is evil, to replace what is broken, to replace the sinful parts of our lives. And then allow him to paint the beauty that our lives can become, that our lives should be. So what is the next step? It is death. It is dying to self. It is dying to sin. Being united with Jesus in his death, you know, being crucified with Christ, and then passing through death into the next step. Repentance is the first, is repentance is at first an inward change that results in an outward change. And we get there as God puts to death all that is broken, all that is evil, all that is sinful. And then he leads us through death into what is next. And that leads us to our scripture this morning. Because see, that's exactly what our scripture is talking about. Our scripture is found in Romans chapter 6, verses 2 through 14. Now some of you may say, well, that was last week's scripture. And you're right. Good news is it's next week's scripture as well. I'm going to ask if you would please to stand as as we read through our scripture, Romans chapter 6, verses 2 through 14. See if, if, if something new doesn't strike you, if something new doesn't stand out. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourselves to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. And offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Thank you. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word again this week as he did last week. And and what? 
as he will next week, yes. Now, before we all start feeling morbid and, and a little bit depressed about this, this whole thought of death, let me frame it this way. This step of repentance, that is death, it's, it's not about loss, but rather about release. It's not about something that we, we need and that it brings joy in our lives and, and that thing is being ripped away from us. So in that sense, it's not like when a loved one dies and you experience that loss and, and that death. Rather, it's more like a, a cancerous tumor that is being killed off, either by being removed or maybe attacked by radiation or, or medication. It's more like a virus. You know, you, you, you've got a cold in your body and your body is fighting it off and you're fighting it off and, and there's the death to that. It's making you miserable. See, that's the death that we're speaking about. Because you see, the, the death we're talking about is the death of sin. Here's the best news. It has already been done. For all of us who have turned from sin and we've turned toward God, and we've cried to him in, in whatever words you used or, or did not use. I know years ago they used to say, you had to say the sinner's prayer or you weren't really saved. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm at that point and stuff like that. A lot of us will do it in different ways. Please, Lord, I believe I'm yours. You see, that death has already been accomplished. And that is why Romans chapter 6 is actually in past tense. You know, we died we were buried. The old self was crucified. That is why verse 11 is so important. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Repentance is about living out the reality of our new selves. About recognizing that we are dead to sin because of Jesus' death on the cross because of our being united with him in his death. See, that's not only true of Romans. Listen to some of these other verses. Galatians chapter 2 at verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians chapter 5 at verse 24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Okay, how about Colossians chapter 3 beginning at verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You know, Jesus, he taught the same thing. In John chapter 12 at verse 24, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. How about Luke chapter 9? 
Verse 23, Jesus says to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. This step in this, in this journey of repentance, it's not an easy step. And that is why I have called this step through, through death. We started with the sacrifice a couple of weeks ago. We were, we were taking ourselves back through communion and, and we're remembering Jesus' death on the cross. Last week was surrender. Surrendering ourselves to him and this week is through death. Once we really allow Jesus to be our Lord, then we must allow Jesus to put to death the old self. We must unite ourselves with Jesus in his death, so that we can walk through death into the greatest life. See, that's the, the next step next week into new life. But for this week, I want to be very clear that this step is through death. You see, death for a Christian, that is not the destination, but rather it is a threshold. It is the veil between this life and the next life. See, death is not the end of the journey. It is as Gandalf, you know, the wizard in the Lord of the Rings, he said it is just another path, one we must all take, and it leads to life. Okay, so what is your part? Once again, like the car and like the painting, and like that heart surgery, it is creating space, creating room, creating time for God to work, allowing God to do the work that he needs to do. We choose God, and then we create this space in our lives for God to put to death those old things, and we cooperate with him as he leads us into new things and into new life. Just before we wrap this up, I need to highlight one other part of Romans chapter 6. There's the, the whole imagery, the, the truth that there is about death to sin and, and being united with Jesus in his death. It's explained by the, this whole image of baptism. It's found in verses 3 and 4. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Baptism, it is our act of obedience. It is something that we can do, which again helps to create space wherein God can work. Baptism is an outward expression of an inward happening. Something that has happened inside your life and, and you want to express it, you want to follow Christ and you want to be baptized. And as we walk this Lenten road of repentance and obedience, let me challenge those of you who have not been baptized, consider it. Consider taking this step of baptism and be baptized. See, it's not about being in some super spiritual place. I'm, I'm not spiritual enough to be baptized yet. It's not about being on some spiritual high that you're going to get after you get baptized. Really, you're just going to get wet. 
It's simply about being obedient and, again, a public declaration of your love for God, which goes and allows God to continue to proceed the process of killing off the old. It's just a step of obedience. Now, just so you know, there are a couple of people who have expressed an interest in being baptized. And so on Easter morning, at the end of our service, maybe in the middle, but on Easter morning, we are going to have a baptismal service here. If you have never been baptized and you would like to be baptized, talk to one of us pastors, let us know, and we'll, we'll, we'll chat with you and, and, and see what we can do. I'm going to go a step further than that. If you have been baptized... And for some reason, you want to be baptized again, a rededication, a recommitment, whatever it is, speak to one of us. You can be baptized as well. Let me end by sharing something with you. It's kind of like a diary. My computer clock says 11.42 p.m., but I know I won't fall asleep anytime soon. So instead, I have a question. Lord, what are you doing? Maybe a second question. Lord, what do you want me to do? I think I already know the answer. But that isn't the journey. The journey is getting to the answer. I know that the journey of repentance is a journey of death. But is my hope supposed to die? Is my feeling of life supposed to die? Is my desire to carry on in ministry supposed to die? Is the part of me that I have poured out at like a drink offering, is that supposed to die? Isn't it supposed to blossom and, and grow and bear fruit, change the world? Isn't it supposed to bring God's kingdom in a greater way, whether that is, is a small thing or a big thing? Isn't it supposed to make a difference? Now the Lent readings from the Easter Code book, the one that we started with, and, and some of the other readings that, that I have been doing personally, they've really whacked me over the head. You know, God can be very vicious at times. Ruthless, very direct. God, he actually calls his people prostitutes. He says that they, that we, he says that I have looked to other things rather than him for life. Sold themselves into idolatry. Now, I don't have a, a golden calf or a Buddha or, or an altar to my ancestors anywhere in my house. But I certainly have things that replace the priority of God in my life. Things like pleasure, like ease, like control like my skill, like my ability to, to want to, to be able to help people. I am so much a doer that at times I let that take place of God. I worship those things sometimes. I look to those instead of God for life. And so I'm just as guilty as Israel or Judah was. And yet God wants me back. See, that amazes me. In Jeremiah... Even after God goes and presents his case against his people, he still wants me back. See, that's what chapter 3 is all about, especially verse 14. Return, faithless people, declares the Lord, for I am your husband. 
That hope is hard to hear. I have failed many times. I don't deserve mercy or acceptance or love. I don't deserve a second chance or maybe a third or a fourth or maybe even a fifth chance. It's hard. Sometimes I just want to quit. Sometimes I just want to give up. And then Jesus comes along and he says, I tell you the truth, unless the kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus, he said that on, on Palm Sunday when things were going great, when things were good. And so, Lord, there is the answer. I must die. I must decrease, you must increase. Less of me, more of God. Whatever the result, while I'm waited, yielded and still, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Lay me down. Let this death be complete. Lay me down so I can rise in the morning while the grave clothes lay down at my feet. Take all I am and all that I have. Lay me bare to the bone. Destroy my resistance between you and me till it is just you alone. And so, God, what are you doing? I think I know the answer. Calling me to die to everything but you. What am I supposed to do? Love you and love others? Let go of the rest? You know, the hurts, the problems, the desire to carry on, the desire to quit, the reliance on myself. Can I say I don't really like that a whole lot? It hurts. It's not comfortable. And I wouldn't want to die except for today. It doesn't really sound all that bad, especially when the promise is, if you have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. And so, Lord, can I pray, you are God alone. You are mighty and powerful and faithful and holy. I am nothing except for your child. I acknowledge my guilt. I have been faithless. I have looked elsewhere for life and for love instead of from you. I accept your charge of unfaithfulness. I deserve to die. You desire death to self. And so I yield to you. You are my Lord.